Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jordan Reed. And just like every single Friday show, I am joined by Brentley Wiseman. Just had a great game on TV between the Washington football team and the New York Giants. Brentley, how's everything going, man? It's going good. You know, another uh, Thursday night football game in the books. As our producer Chris Schubert was saying before the show, you know, we're two for two. On Thursday night games, and if we can if we can get two, uh, two out of every three games, that's a win. Um, based on you know the last couple years of Thursday night football, we've got some duds. So, um, but again, what what an exciting game! Excited to talk to you about it, and I'm sure we have some other good topics that we'll discuss here in a little bit. You never know what you're going to get with those Thursday yeah. games. It's a short week. Usually, it's usually common opponents. I will say that about Thursday games. There's usually some crossover as far as division or things of that nature. But I really enjoyed this game. It was much better than what I was expecting it to be, especially with Washington coming in with the backup quarterback, Taylor Heineke, who I think is very high-quality insurance as far as a backup he's proven to what he can do. We saw what he could do in the playoffs last year and what he was able to do there. Daniel Jones, I thought, played well for the most part in this game, especially in the second half. But it, was it just me or can you just like feel the tension in New York now with Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge? It just seems like nobody's on the same page there. And this just wasn't a well-coached football team. And that's what I saw in this game. There were so many mistakes, especially at the end of the game with Dexter Lawrence jumping off sides after the kicker missed the field goal. So mm-hmm. you see the missed field goal, you actually win the game, but there's laundry on the field. Once again, there was another mistake. So it I mean, they're 0-2 for, what, nine out of the last 10 years. I think that that was the stat that popped up on the infographic on Fox. So it just seems like there's a lot of tension in New York right now. Yeah, it's fascinating, you know, because, like, on one hand, I actually like Joe Judge and, like, the energy and just his overall kind of um, – not what's the vibe you know he brings to the football team they're tough they're physical and they don't show any quit which i appreciate but dave gettleman man he's not drafting good players i mean gabarry's tony's on the field i think i counted five snaps like what are we doing like honestly like that pick was stupid the night they made it and it's just we're all proven right like why would you take Kadarius Tony there when you already have three really solid receivers in Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and, and Kenny Galladay? And real quick, did you see Kenny Galladay blowing up on Daniel Jones on the sideline? Yeah, yeah. Who the hell does he think he is? He was he's 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 missed honestly. Like, I'm not some Daniel Daniel Jones like truther or nothing like that, but he has some nerve, Kenny Galladay. You miss all of training camp, all of preseason with the injury, you. So you, you you weren't able to get any reps with your quarterback. You dropped, I think, three passes, and Daniel Jones put it right on the money and it hit your hands, and you're yelling at Daniel Jones. Get out of here. Heck no. 
Like, uh-uh, I'm red, red flagging Kenny Galladay right now, 100%. Like, that's ridiculous. Again, I have no context. I don't know what was said, so I could be completely in the wrong here. But just from me sitting on my couch watching the game on, on TV, I'm red flagging Kenny Galladay big time. And this, it, it was really out of character for him just because in Detroit he was known as that quiet, laid-back type of player that just came to work and just did his business. But now, I mean, you're high, highest paid, one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. And then, I mean, you have the drop issues that are going on as well. So I think there was kind of frustration there between those two possibly. But I thought Daniel Jones played well, especially in the second half. I think this is one of the better games that he's had in his career, honestly. And they were there right up until the end of the game. Should have won the game. But, yeah, I'm with you on Kadarius Tony. I never understood that draft pick just because there's too many mouths to feed already with Sterling Shepard, Galladay signing the big deal, and then Saquon coming back as well. And Darius Slayton, who I think is a good player, even though he had to drop there at the end to close out the game. But there's just so many different mouths to feed on that Giants offense. And what was the one thing that was out there about Kadarius Tony is that you have to have manufactured touches to give him the ball. So when you're designing touches for him, who are you going to take the ball away from? I just didn't think the pick was necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And then the other thing is also like, it's not like they have a creative offensive coordinator, right? right. I mean, like it's, it's they they really don't, you know. And I, I never understood that pick. Um, to me, it made no sense at the time. But I want to get back to Daniel Jones real quick, Jordan, because I know yeah. you're the quarterback guru and, and and with with TVN, and I really appreciate your quarterback knowledge and takes and insights. I'm, I'm, I think I'm higher on Daniel Jones than most of the football landscape in football, you know, people who speak football, watch football. Um, because like, So the, here's my thing. Daniel Jones has flashes of brilliance. We saw it tonight. He's prototypical size. He has a big arm. He's extremely athletic. And so when, it look, when, he, when he does it right, it looks pretty. Right. I mean, it looks exactly how you want it to look. I mean, he has really, really high upside flashes. Now, the accuracy is inconsistent. The the taking care of the football has been a consistent issue, uh, been an issue with him. So if you're Dave Gelderman or just let's just say he gets fired and you're Jordan Reed, new GM of the Giants in 2022, what do you do? Do you let him do the fifth year option? Do you try to work out a long term extension? Because here's what I know. If Daniel Jones hit the open market, I'm telling you right now, he will be signed, like, as a oh, starter. Yeah. Like, I, like, I know that. And fans can tweet at me, tell me that he sucks, tell me he's trash. I know general managers will have a higher uh, level of appreciation for his skill set than what the normal casual fan does. So like that's where it's it's tough. Like I'm not. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. I can't confidently say that yet. But what I can say is, we've seen the tools. Like we have seen him do it. And it's 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 a fascinating conversation. I'd love to get your point of view, just because like I don't know. I mean, I lean more towards. I probably I'd pick up the fifth year option. I think I would um, on Daniel Jones just because. It's, it might be hard to upgrade. It really might be hard to upgrade on him. It's it's, it's really hard to find that guy in the, in the NFL. And and we've seen it work with Daniel Jones, maybe in limited instances, but we've seen it at least. 
I think you kind of have to let it play out like what Joe Douglas did with the Jets and Sam Darnold. Now, the situation is much different as far as the coaching. I think Judge is a better coach than Gase overall based off what they've shown so far. But I think it's a very similar situation and just have you just have to really let it unfold itself. And it's unfortunate just because I think the way Garrett runs his offense and then what Daniel Jones's strengths are, I don't think it's a match at all. Just because if you remember coming out of Duke, Daniel Jones was really good in the RPO game. Like that's mm-hmm. what he does. Run pass option game and then running you want to run the quarterback with Daniel Jones a little bit as well. We've seen his wheels plenty of times when he had a long touchdown run today. Um but I've always thought that the offenses that they had Jones running just wasn't catered to his skill set. Now, the thing that Daniel needs to improve on the most, but I don't know will ever be improvable with him is fumbling the ball. Like, for whatever reason, he just cannot get fumbling the ball out of his repertoire. And I think he has, like, what, 40 fumbles in his career, which is a ridiculously high number. So just taking care of the ball, I think that's something that he needs to improve upon the most and just taking care of it. Now, what goes into that, that comes from coaching, whether that's him keeping two hands on the ball all the time or just not being aware of pressure collapsing on him in the pocket. That's something for the staff to figure out, whatever is wrong or what's going on there. And I'm not going to sit here and act like that. I watched the Giants entire season last year just because I didn't. But, I mean, I've, I've watched Daniel Jones whenever the Giants have come on TV, and the biggest issue that I see is just the offense not being a match for him just because Garrett's not running a whole bunch of run-pass options. They're doing a whole bunch of drop-back concepts predominantly from what I see. And then he's not running Daniel Jones enough. You got to use his legs a little bit as well. I'm not I'm not saying run him like Josh Allen eight to ten times a game, but, you know, four or five times, I think that would be easy for him to do. So it's a combination of a lot of things, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up going on to be like a Ryan Tannehill situation. I'm not saying he's going to play at elite yeah. level like Tannehill has been doing, but if he goes on to be, you know, a top 15 type of quarterback at his next stop. So, yeah, I'm right there with you of him possibly going elsewhere and then playing better somewhere else and yeah i think a lot of people are going to be much higher on daniel jones than what maybe the the twitter world is or quote-unquote draft twitter whatever they were on him so but the biggest thing is he's got to clean up the turnovers that's the biggest thing with him and then his ball placement is kind of erratic and all over the place at times as well so yeah that's what i think of daniel jones i think he's okay Uh, i think he's just going to be better elsewhere i just don't think where he's at right now and then the environment that he's in as far as the offensive coordinator now i mean he has plenty of weapons in new york he has plenty there he's still learning how to use some of those guys him saquon kenny galladay slayton and shepherd they haven't all played together this is only their second game together and there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense and then you're still trying to incorporate a first round draft pick in Kadarius tony as well so garrett's still trying to figure out what exactly to do with all these weapons and Jason Garrett is not the creative type. I don't think he's going to ever figure out how to incorporate all of these guys just because Saquon, I love Saquon, but he just doesn't look as healthy as what we saw him before right now. And, I mean, he missed most of last season, so that's expected with him. He's eventually going to get back to being that same guy, but there's just a lot of moving parts going on right now. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Um, I, I do think ultimately if the Giants allow Daniel Jones to walk or they, they try to trade him like um, like whoever uh, to, to another team, I think he will have more success than he had with the Giants because, like as you mentioned, it's not a scheme fit with Jason Gary. He's too vanilla, doesn't doesn't let Daniel Jones do what he does best, which is use his legs, use his athleticism, get, get him on the move. 
And then I just think, like as you mentioned, it's just a bad environment out in New York right now. And, and it's just not a place for a young quarterback to really grow and succeed. So I, I'd love to see Daniel Jones on a new team next fall and, and really see what this kid can do. Because I do think the talent is there. It just needs to be developed better. And they haven't done a good job of drafting either. I will say that about David Gettleman. And, I mean, Andrew Thomas wasn't a complete miss, but you talk about the players that he's compared up to and Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, and then also Tristan Wirfs as well. He's obviously the worst of all those guys so far. Uh, taking a running back number two overall, um, just wasn't a big fan of that. I was a huge Saquon Barkley fan, but taking him number two overall, wasn't a huge fan of that. I was a fan of them trading back last year. I mean, that was something that was very uncharacteristic for David Gilman. But I think what was even more uncharacteristic of him was taking Kadarius Tony after trading back. So it, I just don't understand what the plan is for them. But I will say this. If they do move on from Gettleman, I think that's going to be a very attractive job just because yeah. you have two first-round picks. Chicago, that's looking like it's going to be a high pick right now if they stay with Andy Dalton, which I don't think they will. I think they'll make the switch eventually to fields if things get bad enough there. But – I mean, he's a rookie quarterback still behind a bad offensive line. So we're talking about possibly a top 15 pick uh, at worst. And then I think the Giants do have some promising pieces in spots. James Bradbury is a really good player. Um, you know, Saquon's eventually going to get back up to speed, and they do have some more defensive players that I like a lot. So Dexter Lawrence is a good player on the inside too. So they have some promising pieces along the interior, and then you incorporate another first-round pick into the equation as well. So – if they do move on from Gettleman, I will say that is an intriguing job for sure. No, no doubt. And and w w I want to mention a name here before we move on to some of the college games we're going to talk about is, but I'm a huge fan of Patrick Graham. I yeah, really am. I think I think he I think he is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Um, they don't they don't have a lot of talent on defense. They have some pieces. James Bradbury, who you mentioned, I like Dexter Lawrence, uh, Lorenzo Carter, Aziz Ojolari, or some other guys. And they have a few other guys in the secondary, Dory Jackson and Darnay yeah. Holmes, I'm a fan of, but it's no one to really like write home about, right? But this unit plays fast. They're they're creative up front. They're, they're multiple and the things they do, they they blitz a lot. And I just love the energy they play with. I think Patrick Graham to me is a guy that you know we should really be promoting as a potential, you know, head coach next off next offseason. I think he's that good of a coach. Um, so he's a name to definitely keep an eye on for sure. Big fan of Graham. I'm glad yeah. you name-dropped him just because I think he's one of the more gifted defensive coordinators in the league, especially with the personnel that he's working with. I like a lot of stuff that he's doing. But I want to remind everybody that Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. That's NFL100. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get to some of these college football games this week. And I think this week is has a much better matchup lineup as far as what we saw last week. I thought last week was kind of dull, in my opinion. But we still did end up getting some really good games last week. But I think the matchups, as far as head-to-head, -head are much better this week. And 
you know, the three matchups, I didn't preview it in the show. Apologize or apologies to the audience. So the three games that we'll go through is Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, and then also Auburn and Penn State. But I want to go over the two SEC games and I'm going to start with Auburn and Florida or excuse me, Alabama and Florida. There's a lot of intrigue in this game, even though I don't think it's particularly going to be close. But as far as prospects in this game, I think there's plenty to watch. And we'll get into that in our next segment, which will be a new segment called Red Dot Prospects. And I'll explain that a little bit later when we get there. But as far as Alabama and Florida, this is a game that usually is good up through halftime. But then after that, Alabama does what they do and usually separates from the competition. But Alabama, I mean, they were really impressive against Miami, and then last week they had some sore spots against Mercer, but eventually the talent took over, and there were some standout players in that game, of course. Florida, they're in a really interesting spot right now. They really have a two-man quarterback race going on right now. Uh, Emory Jones did not look good at all, and this was my worry when everybody was hyping up Emory Jones throughout the offseason, and I gave him an undrafted free agent grade just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain of some of our scouting meetings. I'm assigned Florida, and Emory Jones was one player that I had to watch, had a really small sample size, didn't even throw 100 passes a season ago, and he really came in in mop-up duty for Kyle Trask for the most part. So not only was he coming in at the end of games, but it also was in mop-up duty when he was playing against backups himself. You see the athleticism with him, but the processing and then just the accuracy, that was the biggest worry with him. And that's the thing that you see so far this year, and they have this young phenom, that has come through. I mean, he's like six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. Richardson is his last name. His first name is escaping me right now, but he looked really Anthony. good. Anthony Richardson. Yeah, he yeah. he looked really good in the game last week. So Florida and Dan Mullen, they have a really interesting decision to make, and I'm really interested to see what Mullen ends up doing in this game. But if they end up playing Richardson or mixing him in a little bit, I think it's only a matter of time to where he ends up taking over for Emory Jones. But Alabama, I think they're going to cruise in this game. But what are some of the things that you're looking for in this matchup? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, this is fascinating to me. This is really Bryce Young's first test, in my opinion. I mean, I think Miami might have been a little bit overrated in terms of the defense. Um, but Florida is not. Florida does have a real defense. They have some real NFL guys up there, especially on their front seven in terms of Brandon Cox and those boys um, who we know are Ventral Miller. I mean, these, these are these are good players. Um, that, that Florida has. Um, so this is, this is going to be interesting. I want to see this true freshman go on the road in a hostile environment in Gainesville. It's going to be a primetime game. You know, it's going it's to be the uh, the Gary Daniels, the Gary Daniels called on, on the CBS. It's, it's that it's that game, right? And it's, it's going to be a hostile environment. I, I, but I think Bryce Young is going to step up, and I think he's going to ball out. Like, I'm expecting a huge game from Bryce Young. I think Alabama's offense is going to roll. Um, I'm excited to watch Evan Neal versus Brian Cox, and we'll get into that matchup later on in the next segment, which I'm, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm really excited for this for this one. I think Anthony Richardson, his stat line last week was absolutely ridiculous. I think it was he was three for three for like uh, 200 yeah. yards <laughs> and a touchdown, and then he ran for like another 100 yards. It was so yeah, here he goes three for three for 150 yards, a touchdown. Then he ran four times for 115 yards and another touchdown. So it's like doesn't even make sense. How's that even humanly possible? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, what is that? That's four times he touched the ball and he scored three touchdowns for 200 yards. Like, don't even know how it's possible. But if I'm um, if I'm Florida's head coach, Dan Mullen, it's not a question. I'm starting this Anthony Richardson kid. I don't even I don't even care. Like, 
Emory Jones, me, me and you talked about it. I know you gave him a UDFA grade. I was I was stunned about how he was even getting draftable talk. Like I watched him come in from Leaf of Calatrask. I thought he was terrible. Like, I, I, honestly, like I thought he was awful in in, in yeah. relief duty. And I mean, so I, I don't know what anyone was saying, to be honest with you guys. Um, but I think Anthony Richardson, he showed a lot of talent uh, last week. Um, so I, I think we should expect to see him play quite a bit. But as you mentioned, I just think Alabama is too much. I, th- I think they're going to roll eventually. Um, I think Alabama wins big here. I think they cover. I think the spread is uh, Alabama minus 15. So they have to win by 15 plus. I think, I think they cover that easily. I think they win by 17. Yeah, and then the news came out about Ventura Miller with him having the torn bicep as well. And then whenever you your Mike linebacker goes down in the middle, a senior, a player that's been there forever, the week of Alabama game, that's going to be rough on you. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Alabama covers easily in this game. I think I don't even think it's going to be close. I'll go like 41-17. Yeah, I think no, they're going to roll. I completely agree. Completely agree. I think this could be – and it sucks, you know, because I'd love to see a close game with Alabama, right? Like, I still don't yeah. think it's going to be this week. Because, um, like, Alabama is good for a, a, a let-up game in the middle of the season, SEC play, you know, whether that's Tennessee or in Arkansas, you know, get, give them a little bit of, of trouble. Ole Miss, like, last year. But Florida's too big of a brand. It, it's a, they're, they're nationally ranked their 11th overall. Nick Saban's have his boys ready to play. They're going to yeah. stomp. I think I love your score. What did you say? 41 to 17. I think it's yeah. right around there. So if I play a parlay this weekend and Florida covers, I'm going to be parlay. mad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I love the betting lingo. I, I'm we're, still, we're, I'm still working good. my way into the betting world, man. So I'm going to be asking for your advice. Here's yeah, some. I'm not ready yet. I think I'm going to be ready in a couple weeks. Dude, I actually, I actually just hit a parlay today with um, – I took the over for the Washington game. I don't know. I, I, just, I just felt like everyone thought it was going to be a defensive battle, right, between Washington's front seven and the Giants. But I was like, oh, you know, everyone's takes – I'm taking the over. Then I had Washington money line, which just means they just have to win. So I hit that. So we're, nice. we're rolling into the weekend pretty good. But anyways, let's, let's get on to the next college game. <laughs> All right, staying in the SEC, let's go to South Carolina, who takes on number two, Georgia. Georgia has some issues as well, especially under center. Stetson Bennett is banged up. Uh, JT Daniels is banged up as well. So nobody knows what they're going to do there. But I still think Georgia is plenty talented enough to get past South Carolina, even though South Carolina is 2-0. They're playing some good ball. Shane Beamer has them playing really well. They have the great story of Zeb Nolan, who came in as a graduate assistant and ended up being their starting quarterback for the year. Uh, South Carolina's playing some really good ball right now. But I think Georgia, once again, is going to be too much. And I was watching them against Clemson a couple of weeks ago, finally got the coach's film of that. And just seeing that defense fly around was just ridiculous. Like their team speed is absolutely crazy this year. Now their offense, I still have some question marks there as far as their passing game. But I think JT Daniels, of course, gives them the best chance to win between him and Stetson Bennett. I don't even think it's close as far as who's better between the two. But their running game is always going to be good with that three-headed monster that they have there uh, with Cook and then Milton. And then, of course, Zamir White 
as well. So they're always going to have that good running game. They're going to have the strong defense. And that's what Kirby Smart, that's how he wants to win. He wants to win games 10 to 7 or 10 to 3. Like that's what makes him go as a defensive, uh, defense, defensive minded head coach. That's the type of games that he wants to enter. He's completely fine with winning games like that, just how he did against Clemson. But I think their offense is still going to be a little bit too much for South Carolina. And then I just don't know how South Carolina is going to put up points against Georgia. I think that's where they're really going to struggle. I think South Carolina is very talented on defense, but it's their offense that worries me in this game if they want to get the upset. They just don't have any talent that I see that stands out on offense in order to score against this talented Georgia defense. What's your overall thoughts on this one? I think you said exactly what I was going to say there. I I think obviously Georgia – um, you know, JT Daniel missing last week with an ad- abdominal injury and Stetson Bennett getting banged up late in the game last week. It's going to be interesting to see who lines up under center for them. But if, whether it's Daniel, whether it's Bennett, if one of them at least starts, I think Georgia should be able to ha- do enough offensively uh, to definitely score enough points to beat the South Carolina team, which, as you mentioned, they simply don't have enough offensive firepower to, to, to really compete in this game, in my opinion. I do think defensively, they have some guys. I know you're a big fan of the edge rusher. I think his name is Kingsley Egabari. Am I pronouncing yeah. it right? Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he's a guy I know you, you're high on, and he's a really yeah. good pass rusher. He's, I think he had two sacks last week. Um, but And so they have guys on defense, but I just can't see South Carolina being able to score points, one, on this Georgia defense, which – my gosh, I think this could be one of the best unit in the country. I mean, honestly, with with Jordan Davis, uh, Jacoby Dean, Nicobe Dean, and and those boys that they got. I mean, I'm forgetting some names right now, but it's like Adam Anderson. I mean, they, they have all kinds of guys, and and <laughs> I just I just don't even, I just don't even think that if South Carolina had an above average offense, they'd be able to move the ball. But I think they're below average offense in terms of SEC. So this is another game, unfortunately. I know South Carolina got the big upset in 2019 against Georgia, but I do not see that happening this week. I think it's going to beat down. I think Georgia wins 20, but easy, easily by 20 at home, yeah. easily by 20. Yeah, I think it's like Georgia 38. I don't even know if they can put up 10 yeah, points. Exactly. Defense, but I'll give them 10. Yeah. They'll score a late touchdown when Georgia has the backups in. So, yeah. I'll go Georgia 38, South Carolina 10 in that one. So, it should be, I don't know what the line is in that game. You'd know better than me. But I imagine South Carolina's probably getting close to 18 points. Did you find the line for it? Let me let me tell you right now. I got, I got, I actually got it up. Let me just scroll down real quick. It's, um, South Carolina, Georgia. Where are you? Give me one second here. Here we go. Oh my gosh, dude, they're getting thirty-one and a half points. Oh, oh wow. my. Okay, I might. I, 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 might cover. I mean, I don't know. That's a lot of points. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm, I thought I'm, it would be closer to twenty. Me too. That's, I was not expecting thirty-one and a half. Okay. So as a better Jordan, this is one I will not touch. Like I'm just yeah. not going to touch. I wouldn't touch that one. Yeah, that's a lot of points. It is, especially for an interconference matchup. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's really disrespectful to South Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> That's like whoa. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get to this last game, and I think this is one of the sneaky good matchups of the week. We have number twenty-two Auburn. Head into Happy Valley to play Penn State, who is number 10 overall in the rankings. And this is going to be a really interesting game. Auburn comes in with a really strong defense. 
one of the best running backs in the country in Tank Bigsby, who's a sophomore phenom. Penn State comes in with plenty of weapons on the perimeter. Jahan Dotson is one receiver getting a lot of love right now. Of course, they're going to have some talented players always on defense. They're going to have those freaks that are going to test really well. Brandon Smith, the linebacker, being one of them for sure. So I think this is a really interesting game, and I don't know which way I'm going to go in this one, honestly. I have not decided yet. I think Penn State is going to pull it out, but I just don't know. I don't have a definite feel where I feel good about this game one way or the other. But what's your overall thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is, to me, probably going to be the best game of the weekend. I think it's two really evenly matched teams. It's going to be the wide out Penn State, which is one of my favorite you know, college football uh, traditions. Um, I'm excited for this matchup. Tank Bigsby going up against Brandon Smith, the linebacker from Penn State, who I know Kyle Krabs, our director of scouting here at the Draft Network, is a big fan of. Um, and then we have two veteran quarterbacks in Bo Nix and Sean Clifford. You know, these these guys have played a lot of football. They're both gamers. You know, I wouldn't call either NFL prospects by any means, but they both have some moxie. They can create off script. You know, they're both really good leaders. I think they share a lot of similarities. Um, I think to me it comes down to this. Can Auburn stop Jahan Dotson? Because this kid has been on a warpath this, this, so far this year. He's a big play threat in terms of touches the football. Um, I like him to get open and, and be productive this week against Auburn. I think this is a tough environment for Auburn to go up and go into. I like yeah. Penn State to win the football game, but they're get, the Auburn's getting five points. And I do think this is a very, very good matchup in a close game. I think this could be an overtime game. Like That's how good of a game I think this could be. Yeah. Well, I would either take Penn State money line or I would take Auburn in the points just because I don't know if Penn State is going to beat Auburn by more than a touchdown. I think this is going to be a really close game. Like I'm talking about one point, two point field goal kind of game. Um, So that's just kind of what I would do as a better. But I do think ultimately Penn State pulls it out just because I think James Franklin's a better coach than the new guy they hired. I think Brian Harson coming over from Boise State. Mm -hmm. I think James Franklin will have his team ready to go. So explain money line to me. I see that all the time. Like what exactly is that? So money line is when you just bet on like Penn State winning. So gotcha. it's less odds. Like it'd be less odds if you took Penn State minus five, because that mm-hmm. means they win by five points. But if you just take Penn State money line, that just means all you need is Penn State to win, and then you win. You win the bet. Gotcha. So like for example, like tonight, I took Washington money line just because I wasn't sure they were going to beat Washington, beat beat New York by three and a half, which I was right because they didn't. Um, so whenever you feel like I think this team's going to win, but I'm not confident by how much. Take the money line. Yeah. So basically you're just picking the teams. Yeah. Pretty much yeah, who's going to yeah, win. Exactly. That makes sense for sure. That's why it's important to listen to Bet Online, and when we're talking about <laughs> Bet Online, so make sure you guys head over to Bet Online. But before we move on, I wanted to tell you guys about our new sponsor over at Homefield. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. They have incredibly comfortable and officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. One of the coolest things is that Homefield studies school history and goes through the archives. They create thoughtful vintage designs that represent the school's history. They are actually wrapping up their big new Saturday season two. They launch six new schools each Saturday. All summer, a new school gets released every Saturday, but they are going to continue to release and refresh schools all year long. They actually have over 100 schools officially licensed and adding more all the time. Listen, I'm trying to get some North Carolina Central gear so that I can represent my alma mater everywhere I go. 
Hopefully they get that up very soon. But I did have some Clemson gear on the way to represent number one overall pick and the newest quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. So I can't wait to show off that on the next show. You yourself can get involved. You can get 15%, excuse me, you can get 15% off of your first purchase from Home Field by using the code TDN during checkout. Head over to the website, homefieldapparel.com. Check out all the schools they have. They add schools all the time. And when you put in the code TDN during checkout of your first purchase, you will receive 15% off of your deal at Home Field Apparel. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, let's go ahead and go to our last segment of the day, and that is Red Dot Prospects. And this is a new segment that we are introducing, and I kind of post this on Twitter every weekend, every Saturday morning, and Red Dot just means a player that you are going to have your eyes on the most. The Red Dot signifies that I'm going to have my eye on this player. This is a player of the utmost importance, and we each are going to identify and go through some of the players that we're going to have our red dot beside this week and who are we going to classify as our red dot prospect. So I'll go first with my first guy, and it's George Karloftis against Notre Dame. The Purdue defensive lineman who had some struggles last year, only played in three games. He was battling some COVID issues as well, had some other injuries along the way as well. But he's looked like the player that we saw his freshman season. He had a really big freshman year. Then last year, of course, he had some challenges that I just spoke about. But heavy hands, very explosive coming off the edge, very strong, very disruptive. They play him at five technique to do slide him inside on some passing downs to create some disadvantageous matchups for blockers in front of him as well. It was fantastic the first two weeks of the year. But this is one of his first true tests going against Notre Dame's offensive line, which is always very formidable. No matter how young or how old they may be, Notre Dame is always going to have a rock-solid offensive line, them being the number 12 team in the country as well. This is one of the better competitions that he will face throughout the year. So, my first red dot player is George Karloftis from Notre Dame. Did you have anybody that you wanted to mention as your first red dot player? Yeah, my my first uh, red dot player is Sam Howell, quarterback of North Carolina. You know, he, he has a tough matchup against the University of Virginia this week. Um, the second game he'll play in the ACC. And we all know what happened in week one against Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. And he didn't look very sharp. You know, he didn't look like the guy that many people think is going to be a top 10 pick. And next year's NFL draft, you know, he, I get, he was under a lot of pressure. He lost a lot of weapons, but that's what we needed to see. We needed to see Sam Howell without Deami Brown, without, um, gosh, what's the other receiver? I'm blanking my name right now. Daz uh, Newsom. Daz Newsom without Javante Williams, Michael Carter. Like, we needed to see Sam Howell elevate the football team. And he simply did it in week one against real competition. And sure, last week they beat Georgia State, you know, pretty good. He had a, he had some he looked he, he looked really good. 29, 21, 29, 352 yards and three touchdowns. But that's Georgia State. Virginia has a, a good defense. That's NFL prospects on defense. They're two on football team. I'm excited to see Sam Howe continue to show the progress, continue to show why he should be a top 10 pick. And to me, it starts this Saturday at home against Virginia. That's a really good one. And it's one I actually didn't even have down. But I think the great thing for Sam and what he's going through right now, as far as an evaluation period, is that is he the type of quarterback that can uplift his surroundings no matter who he's surrounded by? I think that's a big thing in the big debate that's happening with him right now. And everybody compares him to Baker Mayfield. I don't quite see that comparison. But, I mean, I understand why stylistically a lot of people would make it. But 
I think with Sam, this is a really good situation for him right now just because he's going through the gauntlet of figuring out new perimeter weapons, but also he has a chance to prove to the country that it doesn't matter who's around me. I can uplift my supporting cast and who's around me. So this game against Virginia this week is another test for him. Didn't pass the test against Virginia Tech, even though there was some surprising or excuse me, some promising areas for him to take away from that game. Just some uncharacteristic turnovers for him and just trying to do way too much. So I think that was a teaching moment from him. Now let's see if he's able to learn from those lessons and just try to control the environment a little bit more. So that was my big takeaway from Sam Howell and just watching him versus Virginia Tech. You see the uncharacteristic pass of him just turning around 360 and just throwing the ball. Like that's the stuff that you didn't see from him last year. So that's a really good one with Sam Howell. I'm glad you mentioned that. But my second red dot player, and this was an easy one for me when I looked at the schedule of games this week, is Kyrie Elam against Alabama. And we talk about quote-unquote resume games. This is one of the first tapes that scouts and evaluators are going to put in for Elam just because they have a lot of weapons as a custom day every year at Alabama. Him against John Mechie the third, and then also Jamison Williams and then some of the other perimeter targets that they do have at Alabama. This is the type of game that everybody wants to see does Kyrie Elam look the part? Does he look like a top 10 to top 15 pick or even higher? Is he going to be able to go out and shut down some of these receivers? And even though Alabama's offense is explosive, are they going to be able to generate explosive plays against him? Or is he going to be able to limit some of those explosive plays? So my second red dot player would be Kyrie Elam, and I'm going to be watching him very closely against Alabama. No, that's a really good one. And actually, that's something I, I didn't even think about either. Um, just And look, I, I think I was the low man on Kyrie Elam heading into the season in terms of our collective group and where we had him. But this is where I want to see. I want to see him against John Mechie. I want to see him against the the, um, the number one from Alabama. I'm trying blank on his name, but he looked really explosive in week one against Miami. Yeah, Williams. I want to see I want to see him live against that guy because that guy has some yeah. deep speed. And I have questions about Elam's deep speed and if he can carry vertically without you know, losing separation, things like that. Like that's what I want to see. So I think he has a great matchup against uh, Mechie and, and the other receiver. But that's this, this is the, the tape that all the scouts are going to want to turn on when we're talking about Kyrie Elam as a potential top 15 pick next April. Yeah. And did you have another guy that you wanted to add as oh, your yeah, second yeah. red dot player? Yeah. So I got a couple more. So my next okay. guy – so, so ne- my, I guess my next two guys is kind of a twofer, two for one just because I do think these guys will be lining up against each other a lot on Saturday – and it's your boy, Brandon Cox from Florida, that pass rusher, going up against Evan Neal, the left tackle from Alabama. Um, I think this is fascinating for multiple reasons, just because when you think stylistically how these players play, Cox is more of your speed rusher, wins with quickness, and can defend the corner off the edge. Evan Neal is more of your mauler, wants to get his hands on you and really physically impose you and drive you out the club. It's opposite styles. And this is like... Evan Neal struggles with what Cox brings to the table in terms of getting him on his heels, making cover his edges, and really having having to show range in his pass set. Whereas Cox, he doesn't struggle when offense tackle he struggles when offense tackles get aggressive with him when they get yeah. hands early on him early on in the downs. Like that's what Evan Neal's good at. So I think it's going to be a fascinating battle just because like their strengths are each other's weaknesses, if that makes sense. And so I think this is a matchup of two very high caliber, high quality SEC players, two players you could, we could realistically hear both go in the first round next year. 
Um, so this is definitely a matchup I'll have uh, circled for Saturday. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brenton Cox. And it's just a matter of consistency with him. That's always been the battle with him. But as far as ability and what he can be on the next level, I think he can easily be a top 50 pick. It's just a matter of him being more consistent and putting things together on a down-to-down basis. And I think you hit the nail on the head as far as them and their kryptonite of each other. I think that really is going to be the great competition mark of what we see between these two. But Evan Neal has blown me away as far as his progression of how well he's played at left tackle so far. I thought he was dominant in the run game against Miami. There's still some things to fix there with his footwork. And then there's some 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 signs of stiffness with him a little bit at that left tackle spot, especially when guys are able to get up the field on him really quickly. So I think Cox is going to be a really good test for him. But I'll go to my last red dot player, and then we'll finish the segment off with this. It's Desmond Ritter against Indiana. I think this is a big test for him, and I think this is going to be one of the better games as far as competition marks. For him, Taiwan Mullen is a very talented player in that Indiana secondary. So Indiana has plenty of notable names in that secondary as well, Mullen being the leader of the pack there. But Ritter has looked really good so far this year. He looks comfortable, looks more accurate than what we saw a season ago as well. But they haven't played a whole bunch of competition. Miami, Ohio, out of the MAC, that was one of the better teams that they have played so far this year. So this is his first true test and I'm interested to see how he responds against this secondary led by Taiwan Mullen but were you able to get to Ritter over the summer yeah I actually watched him last last fall too I'm a, I'm a fan of Ritter I, I do I am um he's athletic he has a live arm he makes some really pretty throws I think he's accurate I just don't know I don't know what keeps me from being all in it's it's he misses some balls high. His deep ball accuracy is spotty. It's just it's something missing with him for me. And, and his ball I, placement. I, 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 it's that. It's, it's, it's exactly what it is. I know. It, it, That's it's what it is for me. Consistency and like, I don't know. It's just I I I just I don't think he has it factor to be honest with you. It's just I just can't buy it. And I I appreciate the tools that he does have. I think. He's more than worthy of like a second round pick, you know. Just, I mean, shoot, Kyle Trask on second round, he can go second round for gosh sake. Um, but I don't know. I, I just can't get all in on the Desmond Ritter train. But like you said, this is a great test with Indiana. In T one T Wayne Mullen, the corner is a really good player. Um, Indiana's is good good defense. I love their head coach. Um, so we'll see. This is a really good matchup. It's the ball placement. For yeah. me, with Ritter, and it's just especially over the middle of the field. That's really where he struggles the most when he has to drive the ball in between the hashes. It's like the ball placement is so erratic. It was last year, and then in the first game, I thought it was okay for the most part. Miami, Ohio, I mean, it wasn't a huge test. He had a really nice post throw, two really nice post throws down the middle of the field in that game. So ball placement, that's something that I want to see Ritter improve on. Really hard to improve on that, but let's see if he does end up doing that this year. That's the only thing keeping me away from being all in on him. But as far as the athleticism, he has it. Uh, the long strides kind of has that like Colin Kaepernick type of running style. He's built like Kellen Mond as well. That's kind of the body type that he reminds me of. But I think he's a good player, but I'm right there with you. I just have some hesitancy with buying in on him just because of the accuracy and ball placement issues. That's what I want to see him improve upon this year. Did you have anything else to add before we get out of here? 
Yeah, man. One one last uh, one last player who is my red okay. dog, and it's actually Carson Strong. Uh, yeah, I call. think he's at Kansas State, so this will be his last really time to show scouts. You know, playing a Power Five football team this season, obviously with the bowl game pending, but. You know, Kansas State, they, they beat Stanford week one. They're undefeated right now. Um, so this would be a really good test for Carson Strong, who has looked phenomenal so far early in the season. I think um, Chrissy Ford from the Draft Network wrote a piece about him. I think he's completing Dan near 70% of his passes through first two games of the year. I mean, that's just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. I don't care if you're throwing it's air. That's absolutely insane, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to see Carson Strong and – and again, we talk about this I feel like almost every Thursday show, every Friday show. The race for QB one is wide open. I mean, to me, it's completely wide open. Spencer Rattler, it's the same issues we've been seeing, we've talked about. We've still we're still seeing, and it's 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 not good in my opinion. And yeah. Carson Strong, it's not. They have Nebraska good. this week, yeah. so he should he should light it up. In and case Nebraska. We call that a slump buster, you know, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> but um, Carson Strong, man, I, I think he's looked he's looked really good. This is a good good yeah. test for him. So uh, again, you know, we've said it before, but this is this is a resume game for him. So if he can go on the road in um, in Kansas State and get the W, that would be, be huge for his draft stock. He looked really good against Cal when yeah. I watched him two weeks ago. He had some really nice NFL level throws on a comeback. A couple of times along the sideline, he had some deep balls, of course, to Romeo Dubs, who's a, a receiver we'll be talking about a lot during draft season number seven there, uh, who's a really good receiver as well. But like you said, the QB1 race is wide open, and it's just crazy to me seeing people take sides already. Malik Willis is quietly handling business, even though he's not playing a, a bunch of high-level competition, but he doesn't make the schedule. All he has to do is go out there and execute. That's all he can do. I think they have ODU this week, Old Dominion, if I'm not mistaken. So another team that he should beat up on pretty good. But quietly handling business. But the game that everybody has circled for him is November 6th when he heads down to Ole Miss. That's going to be his resume game. Still quite a bit of time before that, but he's been on a crash course so far this year. Really interested to see how he finishes up the year and then where his draft stock goes from there. But as always, this podcast is presented by Bet Online. Make sure you guys head over to Bet Online to purchase all of your bets. Then also Home Field Apparel. Remember you get 15% off of your first purchase using the code TDN. I'm Jordan Reed for Brentley Wiseman. We are the Reed Option Podcast. We will be back on Monday to talk about week 2 of the NFL season and then of course college football week 3, biggest players that stood out and then also game balls as well. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review for the podcast. And remember, we have switched over our feed to the white background read option podcast from the black background. So be sure to check that out. Also head over to thedraftnetwork.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Draft Network. We have mock drafts and then daily articles coming out every single day. So be sure to tune into that. We will see you guys on Monday. Thanks as always for tuning in. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.